Well, good morning, everybody. You guys doing good today? All right. Hey, do me a favor. Give those that are watching us right now live a round of applause and welcome them into our worship experience as well. We appreciate you guys. And um, today is a very, very special day. We are in week two of a series that we are calling Relationships Made Simple. And I thought today, since we are specifically talking about how to make the marriage relationship simple, I thought it would only be fitting for me to invite my much better half, my wife of over 27 years of marriage, my wife, Michelle. So y'all give it up for my wife, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's great to see you this morning, 10 o'clock. You're awake. You've had your coffee. We're ready to roll, right? Yes. We got a lot to talk about, so you got to listen fast, okay? Okay? Okay, we're ready. Um, I wanted to just remind you that we are talking about relationships made simple. Last week, Rodney did an incredible job talking to us about our friendships, the right they and the wrong they in our life. How many were here to hear that? Okay, so all of you that don't have your hand up, make sure and listen this week to that message. It's foundational in our life to have the right they in our life. It's everything. And that builds on this week. We're talking about a marriage relationship, how to make our marriage relationship simple. Does that sound crazy? Yeah, well, we're going to try to talk about making our, our marriage relationship simple. It's definitely not easy, but we can do some things to make it simple. Rodney and I have a lot of young couple friends in our life right now, which we are loving. Some of them are engaged, and some of them just got married, and it's so much fun. In fact, one of them is our daughter, Rebecca. She just got married just under a year ago. I can hardly believe that I say that, but she is married, and it was so much fun getting getting ready for the wedding, you know, all the planning, all the preparation, all the Pinterest boards, all the lists that we were checking off to make sure that we had everything set and done for the wedding. And it was a lot of work to get that wedding done. And I remember when uh, Rodney and I got married and when we walked down the aisle, we were married. I think we have a, a picture of that. Um, I thought, this is it. We've, all the hard work is done. We we are married. No, no, it just began, right? Right. Marriage, it seems like it, can, it will be easy, but it is not easy. But there are some things that we can do to make it simple. Don't you love that picture? I remember that moment. It was awesome. It was awesome, the bliss of being married. But there's a lot of work that we have to do to keep our relationship simple. Man, I love that picture. It's back in the day right there. We were rocking it. Yeah. You know, uh, recently we were talking to our oldest daughter, Rebecca, and her husband, Daniel, and they were telling, this, telling us about this series that they had really gotten into, and it was only available on Amazon. And so I am not a techie type of guy at all. Can the, some of you that know where I'm coming from, can I get an amen? Because there's just something about technology. I think it's from the devil. But, uh, but anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, seriously, it, it's intimidating to me. And so, uh, so we have one of these so-called smart TVs. You know, it's supposed to be really smart and do all these amazing things. Well, I don't have a clue because I'm the idiot, you know, trying to figure all this stuff out. And uh, so I'm the dumb guy trying to use the smart TV. And so... They, they were telling us about this series that's only available on Amazon. And so we happened to have a night to ourselves. And so we were going to have our own little date night. And so we were going to watch this series or begin uh, really to start watching this series they were telling us about. 
And so uh, I turn on the TV, and, uh, and so I'm trying to figure out how to get to Amazon. So I'm t- I take my, my, my remote control, and so I start going through the list of all the TV stations, you know, on the cable. And I'm like, man, I cannot find it. Michelle, do you know how to find Amazon? I don't, I don't know where it's at. And so she's not, not, not really giving me much help or support in this moment. And so I'm starting to get extremely frustrated because I want to get this thing going. And um, so I ended up at a complete, total uh, place of desperation, frustration, and just kind of like being over it. I decided I was going to call uh, the 800 number for Vizio. They're the manufacturer of the smart TV that we bought and is hanging on our wall. And I'm thinking, surely they, got, they, they know what's going on. So the, kid you not, this is 45 minutes into this deal. I'm talking to some guy in a third world country. He's probably got a headset on, you know, in a cubicle somewhere on the other side of the world. He's literally walking me through the details that, you know, I'm needing to understand related to getting to Amazon. But I'm asking him all these questions, and I'm, like, confusing him at this point. And so he asked the question. He said, Mr. Gage. I said, yes. He said, do you have a remote control? I said, yes. I'm holding it in my hand. He said, do you see the button? I said, what button? The Amazon button. I said, yes, it's right here. He said, push the button. So I pushed the button, and it comes on. All of a sudden, you see all of these movies from Amazon. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. That's a smart TV. I kid you not, 45 minutes. I hate to even confess it because it's so really humiliating. He said to push it like three times. Yes, but I was so frustrated and over it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. How could something so simple be so hard? And that's what we're talking about today, marriage. How in the world could something so simple be so hard? Because when you think about it, it's anything but simple. And so today what we're going to do for a few moments is we're going to unpack, I think, some important things for us to understand, and specifically really four principles from God's Word that I think will help simplify. It helps kind of keep things in perspective. It will take the complex, hopefully, and kind of bring it down to a place of focus so that we can simplify often something that can be extremely hard and complicated. And in the the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, looking at verses 18 through 24, here's what the Bible says. God says, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now here God just created all the heavens and the earth and creation and finally creates man. And after all the things he said it was good, he realized, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed it up, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone. In other words, she's a part of me. She's a part of who I am and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woe man because she was taken from man. 
This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. You know, the simplicity of marriage is two people falling in love. That's the simplicity of the marriage relationship. Two people falling in love. But where it gets hard is when those two individuals become one flesh. And the reason why it becomes very complicated at that point is because you're taking two completely different people. You're not only taking someone from the opposite sex. Hey, you're taking someone from a different background. You're taking a different personality, different, different temperament. You're taking someone who has different needs, different expectations. You're bringing someone into your world and into your life. Now, all of a sudden, it has the potential to become extremely complex and very, very complicated because, again, you're taking two individuals and you're making them into one flesh. And so with that said, one of the things that we've come to realize that even in, you know, our own lives, as we just stated, even after the I do's, there are still issues. So what do you do to simplify that which it can be very, very complicated? What do you do? I think there are four specific things, four buttons that we can push to simplify what often can be very de defeating and very disappointing and at times, very complex. And so the first, if you're taking notes, is this, is that we have to love deeply. We have to love deeply. Now, I know for some of you, you're thinking, love deeply? Well, duh. That's the reason why I married him. That's the reason why I married her. I love her. Again, falling in love is the easy part. Becoming one is the difficult part. And so here's what the Bible says in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends... Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from who? Say it out loud. God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's interesting is that in the Bible, the Bible really has three different forms of love in the Greek language. Um, there is a love that's talking about the physical kind of love. And obviously, a lot of people in our culture today, they're into the physical kind of love. And then there is an emotional kind of love. You know, that's the, that's the ooey-gooey, soupy-sappy. You know, that's the, that's, the, that's the emotional kind of love. That's the roller coaster love. That's she loves me, the, you know, she, all the loves me nots and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it's, it's the emotional kind of love. But then there's a deeper form of love, and it's referred to as the agape love. And this is the kind of love that God demonstrated to us when he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us. It's the same kind of love that Jesus demonstrated when he died on the cross for us. It's the same kind of love that God has demonstrated over and over to you and to me. And the reason why is because it is a deeper love. It is a sacrificial love. It is an unconditional love. And so it's 106 times specifically emphasized throughout the New Testament of this kind of agape kind of love. And that's the kind of love that God wants for a husband and a wife to share. It's a deeper kind of love, a love that is sacrificial, a love that is unconditional. And listen, the reason why that's so important is because if you don't love one another sacrificially and unconditionally, then you stay at a superficial level. And that's where a lot of couples end up staying is because that's the safe zone. 
A lot of couples are afraid to go deeper and more intimate in their relationship with one another simply because of the fears that they have. The fear of being rejected, the fear, the fear of being humiliated, the fear of being accused of something, the fear of being rejected. And so all of those fears that often we experience through the trial and through the area of going deep in our relationship suddenly erects walls and we say, hey, I've been there, I've tried that, I got burned the last time, I got embarrassed the last time, I got accused the last time, so I'm just going to keep it on the surface. And so what couples often do is they figure out a way to kind of coexist, they kind of hydroplane, their love relationship is somewhat on the surface because they are afraid to go deeper. And I just want to share something. What we've even learned through the hard way and through trial and error. Listen, your, listen, your relationship, the depth of our love for one another is 100, 100% dependent upon our relationship with God. In other words, my relationship with God helps me in my relationship with her. I can't be intimate in a deeper kind of agape love unless I am truly devoted to God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus is talking about the greatest commandment when someone asks him, what, of, all the, of all the laws, of all the scripture, of all the things, of all the truths, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And here's, what, here, here's his response. He said, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. And he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, hey, be as just as preoccupied and intentional of loving your neighbor, loving your spouse, loving your wife, loving your husband, loving your kids as you are yourself. Because the natural tendency is to be inward. The natural tendency is to think about us and our needs and our wants and our expectations. But here's what we have to do. We have to love deeper. If we're gonna simplify a marriage relationship, we have to understand the importance of love, loving deeper, loving deeper in our relationship with God. Why is that so important? Because if we do not feel loved in our relationship with God, if we are insecure in who we are in our relationship with God, it's going to be very difficult for me to help her feel loved, and it's going to be very difficult and complicated for her to feel secure in my love for her. Because if I'm insecure in my relationship with God, it's going to make me very insecure in my relationship with her. Does that make sense? So therefore, in order for me to show her the kind of agape, deeper kind of love, the sacrificial, unconditional love that God has for us, that has for you. Listen, God made us. Why? So he could have a relationship with us. Why? Because he loves us. And so that same kind of love that God has for us, listen, and when we understand that and we receive that and we feel that and we're secure in that, okay, now because of my devotion to God, now because of my deeper relationship with God, now I can become more intimate in a deeper way with her. And it's doing exactly what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all of your what? Your heart, that's the spiritual aspect of it all. With all of your soul, that's the emotional aspect of it all. With all of your strength, that's the physical side of it all. And with all of your mind, that's the intellectual side of it all. So in a practical way, what do we do? We have to be a student of God and we have to be a student of one another. Because the more I get to know God, the more I'm motivated to get to know my, my wife. God made her. He made her unique. So the more I become a student of her, the more I become aware of what her needs are. When I understand what her expectations are, 
when I understand what her fears are, when I understand what her love language is, when I understand what her dreams and her passions and her hopes are, the more I get to know her as I'm getting to know God, now all of a sudden, our love grows deeper for one another. Why? Because now our security and our love for one another is not based on what she does or what she doesn't do or what I do or what I don't do. No, our relationship is secure. It's anchored in the love that God has for us. And so it's a deeper kind of love. But there's a second thing, and that's what Michelle's going to talk to us about. Yeah, the second key is to, ready for this? Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. Some of us are laughing. Some of us, a wall went up. Hey, you know, that, that's a little deep for me uh, because I've been through some traumatic stuff. I've been injured in my life. And that's not what I'm talking about, forgetting that quickly or forgiving that quickly because sometimes we have to regain trust in a situation. And I highly encourage you, Rodney and I believe strongly in getting professional help. If there's something that that wall went up and you're like, oh, I can't forgive that. We strongly encourage you to find professional help. And we can help you get that help if you need it. If there's something so, a wound so deep in your life that you're having to deal with from the past. But what I'm talking about is the offenses that come against us every single day. The way that we are easily offended in our marriage relationship. When Rodney and I first got married, I am the oldest of four girls. He's the youngest of four boys. As you can imagine, there was a lot from me to be offended by. I was offended all the time. I mean, I think I must be a little dramatic because I was offended all the time. I specifically remember, you know, oh yeah, I know. Okay. And I remember being in the bathroom, having a conversation with him, a conversation that got very intense and very loud. You know, those kind of conversations. I remember it specifically in my mind. I was so angry, so offended by him. How could you act that way? Why, how could you do that to me? I remember it very well. And how many times I was easily offended and kind of blew up at him because I was I was the oldest of four girls in a very dramatic family. Um, but this is what I'm talking about, forgiving quickly. Because if we allow those things that hurt to hang on to us, it will mess us up. If I allowed if myself to hang on to that stuff, it, and I did for a while. I did for a while, and it, it did mess me up. It just kind of stuck me in my tracks. Uh, recently, Rodney, I think, mentioned that we had moved, and I injured my shoulder when we moved, and um, I, I didn't think it was any big deal. You know, I thought I could ignore it, and it would go away. Well, six weeks went by, and it got worse and worse. It's a miracle I'm holding this microphone right now uh, because my shoulder just it kind of got stuck. It's frozen, and, and so much pain at night. I was in so so much pain. I'm like, what has happened to me? This was just a little thing. I don't even hardly remember what happened to me, but it, it's caused me so much pain, like reaching for the, the uh, clothes in the dryer, like almost brings me to my knees, that kind of pain in my life that came from something very small. And if we, if I think if I would have dealt with it earlier, I wouldn't be going to therapy three times a week now. 
trying to fix the shoulder injury that I have. If I had dealt with it a little earlier, gone to the doctor a little earlier and dealt with the little thing, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today trying to work it out. And that's the kind of thing that happens in our life. If we don't forgive quickly the pain and the offense that we feel sometimes, if we don't forgive it quickly, it can cause us some big issues as we go along in life. Anybody believe it? It's true. It's true. So I'm, I'm a very simple person. And, and God's bringing me back to the simple basics. You know, sometimes we got to go deep, but sometimes it's the simple stuff that we just got to get, right, in life on the spiritual level. So I'm going to talk to you about four things that we can do to forgive quickly. The first one is to remember how much we've been forgiven. Mm. Remember how much we've been forgiven. We cannot hold a grudge against someone because our, our, if we deserved what, what is right for us, what, if we got what we deserved... We would not be forgiven. It would not be fair. You know, if we want to be treated fairly, then, then we should get what we deserve, right? But, but Jesus died on a cross for us. He gave his life for us. And we don't get what we deserve when we receive Jesus into our life. We get grace. Mm. We get grace. We don't get what's fair because that, that is a life of torment in hell. If we got what was fair, but we get grace, we get forgiveness, we get life to the full, the Bible says, because of what Jesus did for us. And because of that, we remember how much we've been forgiven. If we cannot forgive someone else, the Bible tells us in the scripture, Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another or anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's the word of God. In the, the Passion Translation, it says, give the same gift of forgiveness. Give the same gift that's been given to you. It's about as simple as it gets, right? But it's about as hard as it gets to give that same forgiveness that has been given to us. I need to forgive because Jesus forgave me, and I'll never have to forgive someone else more than Jesus has forgiven me. The second thing that we have to do is relinquish our right to get even. You know, when we have that little hurt, that offense in our lives, the first thing I, I, I want to do is I want to point a finger. Well, you did this to me. You caused this pain. I want you to feel some pain because of the pain I'm feeling right now, right? With, by the things that we say. But we don't have the right to get even because of what Jesus has done for us. We got to relinquish the right to get even in our life. We can't hold on to hurt because it only hurts us. The more we hold on to it, it's going to hurt us more in our life, cause us not to be so flexible and able to do the things that we want to do in our life and accomplish what we want to do in our life if we keep hanging on to the hurt in our life. Um, I love what Jensen Franklin says in his new book. It's called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. If, if you're dealing with stuff, read that book. But I love what he says. He says, forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. It's mm, good. We can't be keeping score if we want to love, have a love relationship in, in our marriage that is pure, right, nothing, strings attached. We, got, we can't be keeping score. In our, in our marriage relationship. The third thing is to replace the record. Um, I love what Corinthians, the love chapter says, 1 Corinthians 13, five through seven, love is not irritable. 
Help us, Jesus. And it keeps no record of wrong, of being wronged. Love is, is not quick to take an offense. It keeps no record of being wrong. Did you know that there, the phrase that's said often is um, forgive and forget? Have you heard that? Forgive and forget. How many believe that that's true? You can forgive and forget. You can forget. You know, scientists tell us that our brain is like this huge warehouse of file cabinets with all these files in it, of all the memories in our brain. You can, if you go to a professional, they can pull out memories from way, way years ago. You remember what color something was. You remember the smell of something. You remember the way it made you feel. We remember everything. So that's why we can't uh, have the, the record in our mind. We have to replace the record. We have to replace the memory with something else. Good. And the Bible tells us if we believe the word of God, it says in Romans 5:28 that he is working all things together for our good, for those who love him and who are called according, according, to, our, according to his purpose. So if we love him, then we believe that he is working all things towards our good. So that way we can forgive quickly because we know that God is working in me. The difficult thing that I'm going through now, God is working it together for good for me. And I can replace this thing that I remember, the difficulty that I remember, the, that argument that we had or, or that conversation that was loud and intense that we had in the bathroom that day. I can remember that with joy now because I know that God is growing me. I know that I'm not the person I used to be. I know that God needed to grow me in that moment to get me through some other difficult stuff that I was going to have to face in our marriage. And he needed me to be that person so that I could be here today. Amen. Amen. So God is working it all together for good. We have a stronger relationship than we've ever had because we have learned it's not always been easy, but we have learned the simple fact that you have to forgive quickly, so you've got to remove the record. Replace it with grace. If you see that file cabinet, that record's coming up, that memory's coming up, grace. Thank you, Lord, that I can forgive with grace because of what you've done for me. I remove the record. I thank you, God, that I'm not the person I used to be back then. I thank you, Lord, that I can forgive and move on. Now, if we hang on to it, it's going to cause us problems. But we have to remove the record in our minds. And the last thing is repeat it as long as we have to. Keep repeating that process over and over again. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive the brother that offended me? Seven times a day? I have to forgive him? And Jesus kind of laughed like, no. Seventy times seven times a day is how often you need to forgive the person that offended you. Because God doesn't want us to live with the baggage hanging on us. He wants us to live free. He, caught, he gave us, free, he's made us free and free indeed because of Jesus. He paid the price for us so that we could live and walk in freedom. Not with chains, but with freedom in our life. So we have to remember, we have to forgive over and over and over again. And when that thought comes up, when that pain comes into your life, just remember, I've been forgiven. I, I am not going to get even. I'm not going to try to even the score. And I'm going to remove that record. I'm going to see that God has the best and it's the best that is yet to come for me in my life because Amen. he's working it all together for good in my yeah. life. So we have to forgive quickly. And the third thing that we're going to talk about, the simple thing is to choose joy. 
choose joy in our life. Amen? Choose joy. Joy is not a circumstance. You find joy in Jesus. It's not about a circumstance. It's not about being happy all the time. It's about finding joy in Jesus. You know, in life, it's been said that it's like uh, a railroad track with two rails on either side. There's always something good going on, and then there's always something bad going on at the same time. Would you agree with that? I know that's true in my life. It's not always mountaintops, and it's not always valleys. It seems like it's always something good and something bad happening at the same time. And the only thing that I can control in my life, I can't control the circumstances around me, and I cannot control this man. As hard as I try, I cannot control him. I have learned that. The hard way. The oldest of four girls, I thought I could. But I can't. I cannot control him. The only person and the only thing I can, can control is me. And I am the only one that can control the joy meter in my life, that can control my attitude and my heart. It's, it's me. I'm the only one that can control that in my life. I've learned that the hard way. The Bible tells us in James 1, 2 through 4, in the Passion Translation, it says, My fellow believers, when it comes and when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release you into perfection, into every part of your being, until there is nothing missing and there's nothing lacking in your life. Two ways simply to, to choose joy in your life is to write down things that you're grateful for. Every morning, get up, write down five things that you are grateful for. It focuses your mind because seeds of bitterness, anger, and resentment cannot grow in the soil of gratefulness. They do not grow there. Write down five things that you are grateful for and find a way to laugh. Find a way to laugh. I live in a home with two D personalities. If you don't know what a D personality is, then you have not been to Growth Track. Growth Track is the, we learned the DISC personality test. I live with some strong personalities, two males. The girl from a home of all girls. I live with two males right now that are very, very strong personalities. And we have to find ways to laugh and enjoy our time together. When Rodney was having the issue with the remote control, I was dying laughing. I was laughing so hard because it was just a moment we could be frustrated or we can laugh and have fun and make fun of the situations that we're going through. But we can choose to bring joy into our home. Proverbs 31 woman, she's amazing. But in, uh, on the, in uh, verse 15, it says that she is clothed with dignity and strength and she laughs at the future because she knows the best is yet to come. So we have to choose joy in our life. Amen. That'll preach. You know, it's funny. During that whole episode of trying to figure out the right button to push, um, she's over there not only laughing, but she's got her cell phone and she's like, She's like filming me on the cell phone because I am like so over it. I was so upset, so frustrated. And we have a, uh, we have like an internal, um, we call it like a name of Instagram for our kids, our, like a group. And we call it Team Gage. So it's only for our kids, you know, so she's sending them pictures, you know, videos and stuff of me. But you know, one of the things you do have to do is you have to learn to laugh. And it is hard sometimes when life is hard. 
and it can get complicated. But we have to keep the main thing the main thing. Don't overcomplicate it. And so there is a, there is a way to simplify. What do we do? We, we love deeper. We understand the importance of forgiving quickly. We gotta, we gotta let go of things, not hang on to things. And then we have to understand that it's, listen, it's, it's up to us. We get to choose joy. Regardless of what's going on, we can choose joy because our joy is an inside job. It's found in our relationship and the security that we have in our love relationship with God, knowing that he's in control. Like those promises we sang about earlier, we know that those promises are going to come true. And so with that said, there's a fourth thing. So we, we do what? We, we love deeply. We forgive quickly. We choose joy. And the last thing is we live intentional. We live intentional. I love what Ephesians 5 verses 16 and 17 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So the only way that we can make the most of every opportunity in our lives, in our marriage, in our family relationships, which that's what we're going to be talking about next week specifically, but the only way we can make the most of every opportunity in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is what? It is to understand what the Lord wants us to do. That's the million dollar question. What does the Lord want you and want me? What does the Lord want us to do? I think what we have to understand is this. We have to be one. The two become one flesh. So the only way we can live purposefully, the only way we can live intentionally is for us to be on the same page. We gotta be unified in who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do as a husband and a wife. Why? Because the Bible says where there is no vision, the people, what? Perish. So you wanna watch a marriage die? Let me tell you how a marriage will die. A marriage will die when it forgets the why. A marriage will die when they lose sight of why they got married in the first place. A marriage will die and will lose everything that a couple long to experience when they, when they forget, when they forget that we're living in evil days. And the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the enemy wants to rob us from what God has come to give us which is what? Life in all of its fullness. So when we take our eyes off of the prize, when we forget the why behind the what, being unified, being one, being together, loving deeper, loving deeper in our relationship with God and loving in our relationship with one another, when we forget that, here's what happens. The enemy makes life and makes marriage extremely hard and complicated and messy and hurtful and confusing. So the only way we can simplify it is to do what the Lord wants us to do. So each and every day, each and every day, we get up and we remind ourselves of the vision that God has for our life. Each and every day we get up and you know what? We are unified. We're on the same page. 
We're walking in harmony together. We are a team. We are working hand in hand because we are pursuing the same thing, the same purpose. One mind, one heart. We are unified as a husband and a wife. It's like the visual I've often shared from time to time here at our church. And it's a visual of a triangle. So when God is at the top of the triangle, you have the husband, you have the wife down at the bottom of the triangle. Notice they're further apart. But as they both are individually pursuing their purposes, pursuing God's will, pursuing what the Lord wants them to do, pursuing their own intimate relationship with God, guess what? Now they experience an intimate relationship with one another. So our relationship with God and our relationship with one another has to be extremely intentional. If not, the enemy gets us distracted and the enemy will rob us from the very things that Christ has come to give us. So the only way to simplify it is to love deeply, forgive quickly, to choose joy, and to live intentional. Won't you repeat those out with me? Repeat them after I say them. To love deeply, forgive quickly, choose joy, live intentional. If we can simplify it to focus on those four things, it's amazing the transformation that will take place in our lives and in our homes and in our marriage. You believe that today? I believe it. I really, really do. 